Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Wow. The Lord is good, isn't he not? I, I've always thought that, that people that attend church during the summer when everybody's on vacation are just that much holier. So, I want to talk to you today about speaking your heart. Speaking your heart. You know, uh, we live in a country that, that has freedom of speech. Our First Amendment right is to be able to talk about what we want to talk about when we want to talk about it. Isn't that great? Don't you love that? Don't you love that we have the freedom to say what we want to say? If you like your president, you can say, I like my president. If you don't like your president, you can say, I don't like my president. Because there are some, some places in the, in the world where if you said that, you wouldn't go home that night. Uh, so, but even though the scripture does say if you don't like those that are in authority over you you need to pray for them and you need to pray for those that you do like it, there is a, scripture is very clear about that but there are many areas in our world that, that freedom of speech has its limits and even in our country there are limits to our freedom of speech there are some things that, that you just can't speak in 1917, the Espionage Act was, was, uh, it came through, and it said that anybody that speaks about insubordination, disloyalty, or mutiny, or refusal to serve in the military is punishable by a minimum of 20 years in prison. So if we're at war and, and you're trying to go against the United States, you can spend 20 years in prison. Then in 1919, uh, our Chief Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes cited a clear and present danger in Schneck versus the United States. And he used this term that everybody has heard. He used the term that you can't yell fire in a, in a public place because that that gives a clear and present danger to those that are around you. So if you're in a movie theater, you cannot yell that, or you could go to jail. Did you know that? All the way from 1919. And then, of course, lately we have heard Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Whew. There's a lot of things I didn't want to hear. But, but the truth is, if you say something about somebody else, you can be held liable if it's not true so even though we have freedom of speech our speech needs to be true it needs to be accurate and it needs to be timely and over the course of history there are people that have said some amazing things so throughout history and, and i love it um president kennedy he said don't ask what your country can do for you ask what can you do for your country isn't that powerful Nathan Hell, 21 years old during the American Revolution, says, I regret that I have one life to give for my country. 21 years old, hung as a, as, a, as a traitor to England, and he said, I just regret that I have but one life to give to my country. And then, and then that, that infamous country and western singer, Roger Miller, told us, you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd. Some of you remember that. But the same thing is true with Christians, not just people outside, but people inside. Christians have said some amazing things throughout history. Uh, 
Luther and, and Zwingli and, and all the way through, even Martin Luther King when he stood up and said, I have a dream. If you haven't read that lately, you need to go back and read it. It's incredible. It's amazing. There are so many things that Christians have said that are amazing. And then there are those things that Christians have said that just really amaze me. I'm sure you're thinking of some of them right now. Reality is, Scripture has a lot to say about speech, about speaking, about speaking up, and about speaking out. And I want to talk to you today about, about that. If you'd go to my first Scripture, Scripture tells us in Proverbs 18.21, it says that, that the tongue has the power of life and death. Do you realize that your words have the, the power to give life or to take life? You say, what do you mean, Pastor? What do you mean by that? When you uplift, you edify, you encourage somebody, you're speaking life into them. You're giving them hope. You're giving them purpose. You're giving them meaning. But when you demean, when you criticize, when you tear down, when you lie, when you gossip, it just destroys a person's character. It's important to understand that, that what we say can determine the outcome of somebody else's life. Your children are, are looking to their parents and to their grandparents to speak encouragement, to speak hope. I'm not saying give everybody a participation trophy. I hate that thing. Oh, I'm, excuse me, we're not supposed to say hate. Uh, but, I, but it's not about winning, and it's not about losing. It's about learning to live life. And sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But it's about not winning or losing, but how you receive and how you respond to that. And we, as, as individuals, we have the opportunity with our words to speak hope and encouragement to those that are around us. Isn't that incredible? Uh, I bet you there are some of you that are thinking right now of, of some derogatory comment that somebody said to you about you, and you can still feel the hurt because it went deep. We have the, the power within us. James 3, 5 says this, So also the tongue is a small thing, but what an enormous damage it can do a tiny spark can set a forest on fire. Isn't that incredible? Your tongue is the most unruly part of your body. This is the reason why God does not like gossip. He doesn't like tail-bearing. He doesn't like a false witness. And the scripture repeats that over and over and over again. And the reason why, he, he, he speaks more about lying and gossip and tail-bearing than he does about homosexuality, about alcohol, about um, drunkenness, about uh, fornication. He, he speaks more about that than anything else because some of the other things that we do affect us, but our words affect others. It's important to understand that, that our speech, what we say, how we say it, when we say it, what, what is motivating what we are saying is important. It's essential if we want to be able to 
control our tongue. Scripture tells us in James 3.8 that speech is the hardest aspect of the Christian life to control. James 3.8 says that, but no one can tame the tongue. No one, no one can tame the tongue. No one, not, not one person. It's an uncontrollable evil full of deadly poison. James wasn't very kind, was he? But he said, no one can tame your tongue. The key word there is tame. Do you know what you do when you tame something? My my granddaughter uh, has a dog. He's been staying with me all week. His name's Cosmo. He's too smart for his own good. And, And we try to tame him And when you tame something, when you tame an animal, what you're doing is you're instilling your will over theirs. But their will is still there. They're just kind of listening to you sometimes. That's the problem with with many of us, myself included. Sometimes we think we can tame our tongue. You can't tame your tongue. Your tongue has to be changed. You can't tame it. You can't put... God's will over your will because your will is still there. It needs to change. The tongue has to be changed in order for you to have effective speech. Our religion, now our religion, it's our testimony, it's our lifestyle, it's, it's, what we, it's what other people look at in our lives. Our religion is based on our control of our tongue. This is what James 1.26 says, if you claim to be religious... How many of us claim to be followers of Christ? What he's saying is, yes, he's not saying if you claim to be, have salvation. He's not talking about your salvation. He's talking about how people look at your life. Have you ever wondered how people look at you? He said, if you claim to be religious, if you're trying to be a, 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 a Christian, if you're trying to live right, but you don't control your tongue, you are just fooling yourself. That's harsh, isn't it? The reality is, he says, and your religion is worthless. Doesn't matter the things that we do if we can't control what we say. Our words give life and death. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3.10, those that desire a good life learn to control their tongue. They don't tame their tongue, they control their tongue. There's a difference between taming and controlling. Taming is instilling your will over something. Controlling is having control, have, being able to move it where you want and do what you want. This is what the scripture says in 1 Peter 3.10. For the scriptures say, if you want a happy life, I want a happy life. Don't you want a happy life? You ever met somebody that did not want a happy life? It's evident because every time they, you talk to them, how are you? Uh, you don't really want to know. And that's like, you're right, I don't. If you want a happy life and good days, I love good days. Don't you love good days? I have all five of my grandchildren here. I'm having good days. If you want to have a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. If you want to have a good life, if you want to have good days, don't lie 
and don't speak evil don't speak evil of others don't speak evil about the things that are around you don't be negative is what he's saying if you want to have a happy life stop being negative why have you noticed that the, the writers of the, of the gospels don't really cut us any slack they just tell us the way it is do you realize that our news used to be that way way back when that they would just tell you the facts and you got to make up your mind and now they give you their opinion that's just a side note I won't go there uh, but here's the truth if you want to control your tongue not tame it but if you want to control it if you want to have mastery over your tongue there's, there's a, another organ in your life that has to rule it and if you control the heart you will control your tongue this is what James 2.12 says. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law. Speak and act like, like you're going to be judged. This is what he says in Philippians 4.8. If, if you would go there, what we think about gets in our heart, and what gets in our heart comes out our mouth. Philippians 4.8, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Isn't that crazy? Think about the good things. Think about things that are positive. Think about those that lift you up. Think about the things that, that have, have goodness in them. Think about the things... You know, the thing is, you cannot think this way if you're focused on the news all the time. You say, which news? All news. Because it's other people's opinion. Look, look at what the Scripture says. Think about the good things. He's not saying bury your head in the sound about the things that are around you, but he is saying what, what the writer of Philippians is saying. What Paul is trying to, to, to get across to us is there are more things in life than the negative aspects of your, the culture in which you live. In their culture, in our culture, in anybody's culture, and, be, and forget about the temporal things and start really focus on the things that matter within an eternal perspective of life and hope. Hope and 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 Christ and, and and the kingdom that's coming and, and focus on those good things. Focus on the things that are in your life that bring life to you and that bring hope and encouragement. Focus on those good things. Think about them. Ponder them. Consider them. Look at them. Stop thinking like the world. The world's speech does not reflect God's perspective. The world never has re reflected God's perspective. It can't because the carnal mind is enmity. It, it's against God. It, it doesn't understand God. doesn't understand God's ways because God is giving and sharing and loving and, and kind. And, and the world is about selfish, me, myself, and I, and focused on everything that they want to do. Quit focusing on the world and focus on Christ. Think about the good things. The world's speech can never reflect God's perspective. 1 John 4, 5 says this, These people looking belong to the world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint. 
and the world will listen to them. Don't expect the world's philosophy to align with yours. Can I, can I get on a soapbox for a moment? Okay, you ready? It's tied. Okay. I'm so tired of churches, of Christians, of pastors that try to, to integrate the gospel and culture. The culture is above, or the gospel is above culture. It's in culture, it's through culture, but it is not subservient to culture and it does not have to be part of culture to be effective. In fact, if you want the gospel to be effective, it has to arise in your heart to be superior than the ways of man. You have to realize that what Scripture says is true. What man says may or may not be true. But uh, you have to be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they do. I don't care what label they give me. I am focusing on the Word of God, and I am speaking hope and life and encouragement. When you do that, something happens in your life. Because... The Bible says that we speak. Our speech comes from what's in our lives. Luke 6.45, Jesus says this, A good person produces good deeds from a good heart. Makes sense, doesn't it? A good person produces good deeds from a good heart. A good person that sees a need reacts to that need and, and, and blesses somebody because they have something called compassion in their heart. And I've said this many times that it just bears repeating that every time that Jesus went out and began to minister and did miraculous things, the Bible almost always says, and Jesus being moved with compassion, healed, fed, clothed. Jesus was moved with compassion good people from do good deeds from a good heart and an evil person produces evil deeds from an evil heart and here's the, the powerful part of this uh, verse Luke 6:45 whatever is in your heart whatever is in your heart determines what you say and you say well pastor I don't believe that I didn't write it. If you look it in the scripture, it's red letters. That means Jesus said it. Last time I looked, he doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't lie. Whatever you say comes from your heart. If you are speaking negative things, it's coming from a negative heart. If you're speaking positive things, it's coming from a positive heart. If, if you're struggling with, with ill will, it's coming from your heart. If you're saying things that are not correct, it's coming from your heart. But if your heart is pure, then your language will bear it out. Does that make sense? See, it, it really comes down to this. Your heart, your tongue is controlled by your heart, and your heart has to be in the right place. And if your heart's going to be in the right place, it has to be in Christ. Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, full of grace. What is grace? Giving 
to others what they do not deserve. That's what God did for us. By grace, you are saved. It doesn't say by, by merit you are saved, but by grace, because God gave us what we did not deserve. He gave us eternal life when we did not deserve it. And scripture says, let your words be full of grace. Pastor, you don't understand what that person said about me. Don't have to. I know what the Word of God says. Speak grace. That's why Jesus, when he was talking about turning the other cheek, what he was really saying is, give grace. One, one of the scriptures that I love in, in, in the Word of God is where, where the Bible says, if you, if you do well to those that have evil spoken of you, it's like heaping coals of fire upon their head. Don't you love that verse? Have I ever told you how my mother interpreted that? My mother interpreted that, that when you're kind to somebody that's being a jerk, then what you're doing is you're just making them so mad that they'll just burn out. And she enjoyed saying something nice just to watch him get angry. Kind of showed you where her heart was, didn't it? I love my mommy. Um, The reality is what that scripture is really saying is, when somebody's speaking evil of you, if you give them coals, and, and basically what he's saying is there, there wasn't fire, there weren't matches around everywhere, and you lived every day by that little fire that you had to cook all your food, to warm your house, to everything else. And when your fire had gone out, and those that speak evil, their fire has gone out. He said, give them some coals that they can relight their fire. Give them an opportunity to change. Though they're speaking ill of you, it doesn't matter. Be gracious and be kind, and perhaps the grace that you're giving them will get them to relight the fire of God in their life, and they too will change and become gracious. It's important James 4.11 says, don't speak evil against uh, your, your brothers. Just don't do it. Speak kind. You know, have you ever heard the statement, if you don't have anything to say, don't say anything at all? I've had some really silent conversations before. And so have you. But the reality is, speak grace. Speak goodness. Even when they, because grace means that they don't deserve it but you speak it anyway. Ephesians 4.25, Paul says this, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are members of one body. You speak truth to your neighbor. If your neighbor is in sin, you talk to him about it. You talk to him about it with love. You talk to them about it with grace. You talk to them about it with compassion in your heart. And I would say if you ever talk to anybody about something else, because Jesus was very firm about that, that if you're going to talk to somebody about the splinter that's in their eye, you might as well get that beam that's out of your eye first. Never talk to anybody else about their ill will or their wrongdoing until you have gone to the Lord because the Lord will not only cleanse your life, but give you the words of grace to speak, to build up and to edify and to strengthen that person.
It's important to understand that that we are there to to lift one another up. Titus, in Titus 2.1, Paul's talking to Titus, and he's saying, Titus, when you, when you establish this church, when you're, when you're dealing with the community, when you're dealing with other believers, speak the things that are fitting for sound doctrine. Speak the doctrine. Speak truth. Speak what is right. Don't beat around the bush. Titus, when you're, when you're preaching, don't preach five steps to have a happy life here. Don't give me three steps on how to be financially sound. Speak what is true to the gospel, that Christ died, he rose again, and you can go to him, and you can get forgiveness of life, and grace can abound in you. Speak the word of God. Speak what is true. If healing is true, speak it. If victory in Christ is true, speak it. If salvation comes through Christ, then speak it. Whatever is true, speak it. Speak truth. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. There is going to be a time. Ephesians 2, uh, Philippians rather, 2.11 says that there's going to be a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every tongue. That means the devil himself. Don't you like that? What does that mean to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? It means that he is right, that he's the ruler, that what he says goes. And the he gives us this great opportunity to speak life, to speak hope, to speak blessing, to speak healing, to speak Jesus. Would you stand with me? I think it's time that God's people began to speak the truth of God. And you say, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. I, what I do know is Scripture talks about healing, and I think it's time that we start speaking healing. Scripture talks about it doesn't matter what you're bound with, that Jesus can set you free. I think it's time for us to begin to speak Jesus, speak the truth, and say, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what depression you have, no matter how much anxiety you have, no matter how many financial troubles you have, no matter how many people have turned against you, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I can set you free. I think it's time that, that God's people begin to say, I'm going to speak Jesus. I'm not going to listen to the voice of, of, of the world. I am not going to speak, listen to the voice of those who are around me. I'm not going to listen to the voice of the adversary that says you, you can't do anything, that there's no hope. You've made too many mistakes. You can't, you can't survive. You'll never make it. I'm not, I think that it's time for us to quit listening to those voices and begin to listen to the voice of the Lord that says, I belong to the Lord. You belong to the Lord. That the Lord has set us free and he has given us a, an opportunity to speak grace and truth and love. When we begin to sing this song, it's a new song, many of you 
may not know it. But I want to give you the opportunity today without a lot of fanfare, without trying to pull you. As they begin to sing this song, I Speak Jesus, if you have a need in your life, if you're just tired of trying to tame your tongue, if you're, try, if you're tired of, of, of issues that are in your life that you can't overcome, I think it's time that we start standing on the Word of God. Let's speak the truth that He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the one that supplies all things. I want to give you an opportunity to be able to come down here and I would love to be able to pray with you. As they sing, the front is open.